Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers' Panel. Happy spring. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than a thousand writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I've written a bunch of things. Uh, With my writing partner, Ben Acker, I was on the writing staffs of Supernatural, Puss in Boots, some other shows. We sold a bunch of pilots over the years as well, and we have a couple of things cooking right now, which I thought I'd be able to tell you about by now, but I can't. Um, So keep listening, and as soon as I can talk about these things, I will, because I'm very excited about them. Meantime, you can check out some comics we've written, uh, including the Last Jedi tie-in comics from Marvel called The Storms of Crate and DJ Most Wanted. We also did Deadpool v. Gambit over at Marvel, and our creator-owned Death Be Damned, uh, which is a supernatural western from Boom Studios. We co-wrote it with our pal Andrew Miller, who is, uh, he made the new Tremors pilot most recently for sci-fi. Uh, you can also listen to the live show and podcast that Acker and I wrote and produced for 10 years. It's called The Thrilling Adventure Hour, and it's available via iTunes and Nerdist. Also, check out the podcast Dead Pilot Society, which is a show I produce with Friends writer Andrew Reich. In it, we take pilots that have been bought and developed by networks but never shot, and we get these incredible casts to read them live. And pertinent to writers' panel listeners' interest, we also talk with the writers about how the process went wrong. Or sometimes didn't. Sometimes it just stopped abruptly. Anyway, that's Dead Pilot Society, and it's on the Maximum Fun Network. For now, I'd really like to hear from you. What writers haven't I had on the podcast that you'd like to hear from? What am I not asking that you want to know about? Email me at nerdistwriters at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. Like the Writers Panel on Facebook and visit writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Uh, It's very helpful in the rankings, which is something I need to consider, especially right now as some changes are being made. What are they? Again. I can't tell you. But as soon as I can, you, dear listener, will be the first to know. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Adam Rifkin. That's me. We're doing it. Let's do it. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Adam has a really... Good new movie, and it's out, right? What is happening with this movie? Thank you very much. It's called La- The Last Movie Star. It's called The Last Movie Star. It's being released by A24, okay. and it is in uh, theaters as well as uh, DirecTV, various other VOD uh, okay, and uh, 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 platforms and, and disc as well. It's, it's, it's called a day and date release okay. where it, it hits all... All options are available all at once. Uh, I think that is that's a great thing, especially for this movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask you just to you know sort of give us the soft pitch for it in a sec. But like, if you are at home on a Friday night uh, with your loved one and looking for something to watch, this is a great movie. To Thank watch. you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, it goes down easy. There are great performances. Thank you. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, so yeah, give us sort of what it's about because I feel like that's going to inform. Sure. A lot of this conversation. The movie, The Last Movie Star, is about an old man who used to be a very famous movie star, but now is forced to face the reality that his glory days are behind him. Um, 
Unexpectedly, he's invited to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award from a film festival in Nashville. Uh, his buddy, he doesn't want to go. His buddy convinces him he should go. This is a great thing. This is a prestigious film festival. It's, Nashville's a cool town. You must go. So he gets excited about it. He decides he's going to go. He shows up, uh, and much to his disappointment, it is not a uh, big film festival. It's a bunch of film geeks who show movies in the back room of the bar they all work in, and they're elated that for some reason this guy showed up, and he's mortified uh, and embarrassed, and it basically shines a spotlight on the f- the, the, the reality that he had been sort of suppressing for so long, which is I used to be on top and now, you know, I've fallen very yeah. far. And so he basically he bails on the film festival. He makes the girl who's been um, hired to be his driver for the weekend drive him from Nashville to Knoxville, which is where he's from. And the event sort of f- kicks off this weekend of revisiting the landmarks of his youth as he's sort of... Uh, Going on a soul-searching... Mm-hmm. He's sort of coming to terms with who he is. That's exactly right. It's sort exactly of a coming-of-age right. movie yeah. for an 80-year-old man. Exactly. And, I, and, it is, and it stars Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. in the role. And I wrote the role specifically for Burt Reynolds. Now th- so this is where I want to jump off, because I yeah. know, you know, uh, the backstory to this is sort of uh, part of the whole story of the sure. movie. Yeah. But just watching it, there's so much affection this is a love letter to Burt Reynolds yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. And the movie's made with such affection that it's even if someone didn't like the movie, it's a hard movie to dislike because that love is there. Thank you very much. Um, how do you, I mean, you, you've had a career as a screenwriter. You've written like a dozen movies, uh, TV, web. You've done a whole lot of sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, why, is, why this movie and, and you know, what, what are you trying to tell with this movie? Well, when I was growing up, I'm from Chicago. When I was growing up, um, when I was a kid, Burt Reynolds was my hero. Um, I loved movies growing up. I wanted to make a, be a filmmaker when I grew up. Um, but Burt Reynolds just was the coolest guy in the world to me. Now, when I was... And this was, was peak Reynolds, right? Peak, peak Reynolds. So this is... This is Smokey and the Bandit Reynolds. So what people don't necessarily know today, unless they were there at the time, is Burt Reynolds, when I say Burt Reynolds was the biggest movie star in the world, it might not compute the same way today because there are no movie stars today as big as Burt Reynolds was then. Because movie stars like that don't exist anymore. So Burt Reynolds was enormous. Every movie he was in was... A huge monster hit. He was on talk shows all the time. The funniest, most charming guest of all time on late night talk shows. I mean, he and Johnny Carson had an amazing mm-hmm. relationship with their with their guest host uh, uh, thing. Uh, and and also, he was just a ubiquitous presence culturally. I mm-hmm. mean, he was everywhere. His his romance with Sally Field and his his shtick with Dom DeLuise. I mean, just everywhere you looked, it was the, the world was Burt Reynolds' world. And I thought to myself when I was a kid, I want to be Burt Reynolds when I grow up, you know? Nobody had a, a, a more fun... He, he, he seemed like he just had so much fun being famous. And that, mm-hmm. that 
translated. Yeah. And it just it seemed like it would be fun to know him. Anyway, I also, as I got older and started to appreciate cinema more and good movies and great movies, I, I really came to feel that Burt, for as big of a movie star as he was, never truly got his due as an actor. He's a huge movie star, but wasn't necessarily taken seriously as an mm-hmm. actor. And I always felt that that was unfair. Because, first of all, you look at certain performances like Deliverance, The Longest Yard, Starting Over. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are brilliant performances. Um, but because his movies were, some of them were very fluff sort of movies, like, you know, the, the Cannibal Run movies, the sure. Smokey the Bandit movies. They were, they were more popcorn movies. People didn't take him seriously, as they did some of his contemporaries who mm-hmm. were doing more serious films. And it also seems like, and again, I think I missed this era a little bit, mm-hmm. but it seems like his public persona and his movie persona, there's a very fine line between Absolutely. So it didn't look like acting. It didn't look like acting at all, so he made it look like he was just being yeah. Burt Reynolds walking onto the set, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. It is acting. I mean... To be able to just be natural in front of a camera is a skill. Absolutely. And he made it look effortless, so he never got credit for being a good actor. Or rarely, I should say, got credit. Anyway, so as I got older and I started making movies of my own, Mm. I thought to myself, you know, I would hate for people to only remember how great Burt Reynolds was after it was too late. Mm -hmm. I thought, God, I hope somebody writes a movie for Burt that's just (laughs) one last great fantastic role where he can sink his teeth into it and remind everybody that he is still a brilliant actor. And um, I thought, well, nobody else seems to be doing it. I'll just do it. And at what point was this? When did you start formulating this? I wrote it in 2008, so it was 10 years ago. So um, I didn't know Bert, but I just decided I was going to roll the dice and I was going to write it on my own. Just Just write it as a spec script with the idea that if if I could get Bert, I believe that we could get the money to get it made. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get Bert, I'm just not going to make it. Because this is very specifically written for Bert, as you can see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, do you want to talk about that? Um, I mean, the impetus to write the movie was to write this movie for Bert. Yeah. So clearly there was never any thought of using another actor That's right. of the era. Um, but what is it in the movie that makes it that makes Vic Bert or Bert Vic? Well... Bert has had a very public life, so all of his ups and his downs uh, are very uh, people are very well aware of them. Mm-hmm. You know, Bert used to be a football star. You know, he played for Florida State. A career-ending injury forced him into I acting. Yeah, he didn't want to be an actor. He wanted to be a football star, and so that was something about his past. You know, uh, he's had many ups and downs with with marriages. He's had many ups and downs with finances, hard living. He was a stuntman for many years before he was an actor. Broke every bone in football, broke every bone in, in, in stunt work, which has caught up, up to him now, which is why he has the walks with the cane, you know. Um, but I really wanted, and also, too, he was known as a smartass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of people appreciated that, thought it was funny, and a lot of people didn't appreciate mm-hmm. that and thought he was a jerk, you know what I mean? And he's very candid about the things he did out of arrogance at, a, at the time in his life that he'll, you know, sort of with a twinkle in his eye say, well, if I met you during this, <laughs> these particular years, I, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Uh, that's his preface. It's funny. Great. But um, I wanted to write a character that basically by Burt Reynolds accepting this role, 
it signified to the world at large that Burt Reynolds acknowledged mm -hmm. his foibles and was atoning for them. Yeah. And basically this movie by accepting this role could be his mea culpa right. to those that he had hurt along the way, those he had disappointed along the way, and those that of people who've who rooted for him along yeah. the way and wanted to see him Absolutely. in something triumphant. So, you, I mean this is this is a crazy undertaking, you realize. Yeah, <laughs> that, I like you you're having this script and this character take this meta textual weight and asking the uh, for the psychology of the character, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the actor to inform the character's yeah. psychology and vice versa. Yeah. For an actor you don't know, yeah. And by the way, because I didn't know him, this is I, fan fiction. It's that's exactly <laughs> right. And I didn't know because I didn't know him. Would he be flattered? Absolutely. Would he be offended? Yeah. Because the character of Vic Edwards is a thinly veiled version of Burt Reynolds, warts and all. Absolutely. So I didn't know if he was going to be. Really pissed off at yeah. me. You this, know? And this isn't doing Bella Lugosi 50 years no, later. This exactly. Is, this is Bert doing a version of Bert. Correct. Uh, Bert basically playing a version of Bert at this yeah. age that he's at now, you know, reflecting back on some of the things he's done in his past. So, so with all that, let me, yeah. let me just backtrack for a yeah. sec. Um, knowing you wanted to sort of have the weight of all of that yeah. in this character, um, how do you find your way into this character? How do you start to write this guy so it's not just, uh, you know, the popular uh, knowledge of Burt Reynolds? Well, as a, as a writer, the way I approached it was, first of all, I had what I believe was a, a, a col I, I, I had a, what I felt was the collective knowledge of Burt Reynolds mm -hmm. in my brain, having grown up with him, having seen all the ups and all the downs throughout all the years, paying attention mm -hmm. uh, as a fan. Um, in the good years and the bad years. So I felt I had, and I, I probably paid more attention than most people um, because I, I was vested throughout all these years because I did, I, I always loved him. So maybe, and also reading what he had written about himself and mm -hmm. reading interviews that he had done. And it's just something that I've always been interested in. So that all just kind of collected in the back of my mind over the years. And then at a certain point though, because I wasn't writing Burt Reynolds, because I was writing Vic Edwards, I just had to trust my intuition that I was going to create a character that I'm basing on this this knowledge I have of Burt Reynolds, mm -hmm. but I'm going to veer off whenever I want to into Vic Edwards' territory because it's Vic Edwards that I'm actually writing. Yeah. Um, so that gave me – if I was writing a movie about Burt Reynolds, I would have felt I had to do a lot more research mm -hmm. to get it. Accurate, And I think, I mean, I can't speak for you, but would you have been more hesitant to do that warts and all portrayal? I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yes, I would, <laughs> I would have chosen not to do it. If somebody said, why don't, and in fact, at one point, you know, the movie almost got made and fell through many times over the years until it finally got made now. Mm -hmm. And one of the companies that wanted to make it said, why are you calling this character Burt Reynolds? Let's just make him play Burt Reynolds. Let's have it be called Burt Reynolds. Right. I said, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, if the whole issue that I have with people not taking Burt Reynolds seriously enough is because they <laughs> always think he's just Burt Reynolds walking onto the set. If he's playing right. Burt Reynolds in this movie, people will never think of this as a performance. Yeah. This, to me, is Burt Reynolds giving a performance, a great absolutely. performance. And if he... And, and 
if you change the context, just merely by changing the name from Vic Edwards to Burt Reynolds, suddenly it's no longer a performance. It's a docudrama, right. you know? Yeah. And there is something about that remove, I don't know, that makes it hit a little harder. I feel that way, too. I'm not sure, I'm not sure why. Well, that's a good question. Maybe it's because it is a performance. Maybe, Maybe it's, it is. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so I submitted the script... Oh, let me ask one oh, yeah, more yeah. Uh, plotty question, yeah. uh, which is, how did you start to come to... You had this character. Yeah. How did you know what paces to put him through? How did you start to come to the film festival uh, plot line? Well, I knew... Here's what I knew, talking about, okay, d- diving deep into the, how mm-hmm. the sausage is made, right? So when I sat down to actually write the script, here's some of the questions I asked myself. Okay, I knew I wanted to write a movie about a, f- a faded star... But I also wanted to write a movie about growing old. Mm-hmm. And so that was more important to me, that the movie was more sort of a universal story about growing older and feeling lost in a modern world and feeling disconnected from a new generation than specifically what it's like to, oh, I used to be able to just right. walk on unannounced on The Tonight Show and now they don't know who I am at the guard gate. You know what I mean? So... And also, too, I mean, I have been, I was very close with all my grandparents. My grandmother is still alive. She's 97. So I've, I've had a front row seat to old mm-hmm. people, you know. So I, I, I used the experiences that I saw them going through and my grandmother still going through in terms of, like my grandmother, for example. Two things about my grandmother that, that influenced this script. Mm-hmm. First is when she finally sold the, when they finally sold the family house in Oak Park, Illinois, and moved to downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there helping pack stuff, and her VCR clock was still flashing. And she and I said, the, you're, you, you still never got your VCR <laughs> clock uh, uh, set. And she said, yeah, I'm going to still ha- I, I got to finally get that done. I said, don't bother. VCRs <laughs> have come and gone. You missed it. You missed the VCR. Uh, so also, too, my grandmother said something to me years ago, and it stuck with me. And this is ultimately at its core what the movie's about which is uh that the time goes by too fast um and that is my grandmother was very beautiful when she was young and she and her best friend who were also beautiful who was also beautiful they were coming out of a nightclub when they were 18 you know i mean when you think of nightclub then it was like <laughs> yeah. you know benny goodman was probably <laughs> performing inside uh but <clears throat> they were drunk and they were obnoxious and they were you know loud and she said they were, you know, acting, you know, uh, outrageously and outside of the club. And as they were uh, goofing around, some old man just popped up in front of them and wagged his finger in their face and said, you know, before you know it, you'll be 80. And they and she said, and we just laughed in his face. We just laughed and laughed and laughed in his face. And then she paused and she looked at me misty eyed and she said, but you know what? He was right. And that has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Because it went by like that. And it does go by like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, Which I, is sort of a great guiding thesis for this movie, uh, you know, shown through the specificity of mm-hmm. the movie star aspect of it. Exactly. And that's why I felt that having a movie star character be the character going through mm-hmm. uh, the aging process and, and life having gone by too fast, um, I felt that was a good way to... to hit that home visually mm-hmm. with impact because that's why I have uh, scenes in the movie where 
Burt Reynolds, 82-year-old Burt Reynolds, is in scenes with 30-year-old Burt yeah. Reynolds. So, uh, and for people who haven't seen the movie, there's a scene from Smoking the Bandit and there's a scene from Deliverance where I digitally put old Burt in with young Burt and they act in these in fantasy. conversation yeah. with himself. There are these two fantasy sequences. Really Thanks. These two fantasy sequences where basically old Burt confronts his younger self and is trying to convince his younger self to stop living so recklessly because all the mistakes you're about to make are going to turn you into me, mm-hmm. basically. And Was so, that stuff always built into the script? Always, from the really? first draft, yeah. Interesting. And so, because Burt Reynolds, to me, is a specimen of the masculine male. You know, just, just virility personified. Uh, and so, seeing him in the rowboat, in the canoe, excuse me, mm-hmm. seeing him in the canoe... In Deliverance, wearing that sleeveless, uh, uh, um, uh, what's it called? The wetsuit. Yeah. Looking like the most macho dude <laughs> of all time. And then seeing him in this, you know, on the other side of the canoe, seeing an old man. Yeah. And this is the same person. And you can see what the hands of time will do to anyone. I mean, if Burt Reynolds <laughs> ages... Yeah, we're all <laughs> fucked. You know what I mean? If this can happen to Burt Reynolds, we none right. of us have a chance. So um, I felt that that was a, a possible visual. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, it could possibly have visual impact. That's really good. Thank you. Um, so, but I didn't know how he was going to react to this stuff. You know. So when I submitted the script to his manager, I said to the manager, uh, "Please tell Burt that I wrote this movie for him." And if he doesn't want to do it, I'm not making it. Um, tell him I have no money to get it made. <laughs> uh, just to make it sound all the more appealing. But, um, Which, yeah, it makes you sound like the film fest in the movie. <laughs> well, the Clark Duke character, the, the kid who Clearly. basically <laughs> creates the film festival, that's based, basically, yeah. basically me, right? So um, I said, please send it to Bert. Tell him if he's not interested in doing it, I'm not making it. Um, and I meant it. Because you can see, I mean, there are other yeah, actors. There's no way to put someone else in. No way, no way. There are different versions of this. Sure. But there's not this movie yeah. with someone else. Yeah, and, uh, and also, everyone knowing Burt Reynolds, for lack of a better word, baggage, mm-hmm. that he can bring to playing this role, Absolutely. I think adds to the pathos of the character. Absolutely. So he said, I'll send it to him, but I can't promise you right. what he's going to do. And he also said, you know, it's been a really long time since Burt starred in a movie. Hmm. You know, I mean, Burt's done small roles. Mm-hmm. Since Boogie Nights, you know, a few days here, yeah. a few days there. But every day, all day, 12 hours a day, week yeah. after week after week after week, that's, it's been a long time. So, wait, let me, let me ask this. Let me just, again, go back and fill in some of these gaps. Yeah. Um, did you outline, how did you put it together? How did you put the script together? Was it, you know, did you know it going in? Did you discover things I, I in knew, that process? I knew certain... Uh, Markers that I wanted to hit at certain times, you know, like basically I knew, for lack of a better description, I knew basically at the end of Act One, I wanted him to be in Nashville mm-hmm. at the festival, you know. I knew basically <clears throat> that I wanted him, you know, sort of midway through Act Two to bail on the festival, be heading for Knoxville, have the first fantasy hit mm-hmm. around there. I knew basically by the end of Act Two that I wanted him to have be dealing with this emotional crisis of confronting this thing that he's needing to confront, and then Act Three he has the confrontation, and 
I knew those basic okay. things. <clears throat> um, and sometimes I really outline things very, it really depends on the script. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I outline things very thoroughly. Sometimes I outline things very loosely. I never just start writing something. Mm-hmm. I always outline to some degree. Some people can just start writing. That's uh, great for them. I can't, that's not how I do it. But sometimes when I outline something very loosely, as I start writing it, the outline mm-hmm. becomes more detailed. Like I'll, I'll write 10, 20 pages, and then suddenly that has solidified where I now know I'm definitely going. Mm-hmm. And then I outline more de- details from there forward, you know? So that's pretty much how this one worked. Okay. I, I knew that I wanted basically the, uh, the beginning of the movie to show Bert, excuse me, <laughs> Vic's life. <laughs> I wanted to show Vic's life. In Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I wanted to show that he was older. I wanted to show that he had been successful with little um, hints and reminders. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to show that his life was relatively solitary and not particularly exciting. And I knew that I wanted to show that he's invited to this film festival that he does not take seriously. And I wanted his friend to convince him to go. That, that friend is played by Chevy Chase. And I knew that I wanted to show him get a little more excited about it. I wanted to show him show up with enthusiasm. And when he's confronted with what he's actually gotten himself into, he's, the, the rug is pulled out from under him. He feels it's a bait and switch. I will tell you this. The movie opens. I, I chose to open the movie with a particular scene mm-hmm. for a particular reason. The, movie, the very opening of the movie, and I don't think this is a spoiler per se, the movie opens with him putting his old dog down at the vet. And I did that intentionally because I knew that I was going to need to show him being an asshole for about the first half of the movie. But I felt that if we see him sad about putting his dog down right up top, (laughs) we won't turn off to his assholeness too quickly because we know he's got a heart, you know? Right. We're on his side. We're on his side right from the start. So then he can be an asshole for a while. I think that that bought me some time (laughs) for him to be an asshole. Don't you think, though, that having him be Burt Reynolds buys you some of that goodwill? Well, I think it definitely buys you goodwill in terms of he can be a smartass and you are still with him. But in terms of the character, I wanted... I want, And some people may call it a cheap shot. And maybe it is a cheap shot. But I felt like if I showed him... Put, I mean, if you see an right. old man putting a no, old, little old dog down, if that can get you a little bit in the gullet right up top, yeah. I feel that it's given me now some license for a while, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, anyway, so the script was sent to Bert. I, um... Let, oh, let me, let, oh, yeah, let me yeah. ask you this. Please. Um, we're never going to get to the end That's of That's okay. <laughs> uh, how long did that draft take you? And then what draft did you send to Bert? It took me about two weeks to write it. Okay. And I sent and you it, were doing this on spec? Yes. And I sent it immediately to Bert upon finishing it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Did anyone else read it? I have a couple of close friends okay. who I let read everything I write, and they let me read everything they Great. write. And these are people that we will be very honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And I will tell this to, 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 there are aspiring writers listening right now. I will tell this to aspiring writers. It is, it is essential that you have people who will give you honest feedback that you really trust and you respect their opinions. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, when I read scripts that other people write, 
I have different versions of how I will respond based on how close I am to the person, how much I am rooting for that person. Yep. If this is a, just a, a person that I know and I like and I, you know, I'm happy to right. help out in some an way, an acquaintance, I will give the minimal amount of positive feedback I can and no, generally not much constructive criticism. Yep. Because it's just, I just... Right. Keep at it. Yeah, keep at it. Maybe shorten it a little bit. Sure. Definitely needs another draft, but I think you got, you're got you in the ballpark. Go for it, man. Don't quit. You know, that's what you're going to get from most people. Yeah. Right? But then you have the people who, who are rooting for you to succeed, right? And then you also have the people that you are rooting for mm-hmm. to succeed. So those are the people that are going to say to you, here's where it's working. Here's where it's not working. Here's what you need to do to fix it. Here's how you might consider fixing it. Mm-hmm. And you and you put the time in to giving the that person that constructive criticism because you care about them, you want them Absolutely. to succeed. And so I have those people too who will do that for me. So what did they give you on this script? Well, luckily, they were they were generally very positive, sure. you know. Well, again, this feels like you just watching the movie. It's a story you had to tell. I and felt I think that, that way. That probably came across on the page as it does in the film. I think so. And thank you for saying that. And so if they had said, oh, it needs a lot of work, I wouldn't have sent it to Bert that mm-hmm. fast. Sure. But ge- the general consensus of the people who I trust was, you, you can definitely send this to Bert now. That's really cool. Which was great. Yeah. So, uh, so we sent it to okay. Bert. Okay, so you got to Bert. And as soon as I sent it to him, I suddenly thought to myself, he's going to hate this because this is not f- a flattering portrayal. Right. I mean, I was so excited to send it to him at first, and then as soon as it was too late to take it back, I thought, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm, I've now pissed off my childhood hero. You know? Anyway, the next day, I get a call from Burt Reynolds. Holy shit. Shocking, <laughs> right? And I immediately, of course, recognized his voice. Um, now, we've all in this wacky business we call show have met a famous person or two, mm-hmm. right? But every once in a while, there's that person who is that person to you. Absolutely. You get starstruck. So when I recognized his voice, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert had Burt Reynolds on a number of years ago, and he said, you're Burt fucking Reynolds, right? And that just sums it up to me. I yeah. mean... What is hilarious about that is the person who starstruck me mm-hmm. was I had to call Colbert. Oh, wow. Interesting. And got on the phone and forgot how to speak. That's but so anyway. funny. <laughs> so on. he was your that for you. <laughs> Um, Burt Reynolds, I just couldn't believe that he called me on the phone and, and I immediately, uh, was scared that he was going to be angry. He was very very friendly. He said, listen, I read the script. I said, thank you so much for taking the time. He said, um, it deals with a lot of things that are tough for me to face. And as he's starting to talk, I'm thinking he's going to very politely decline and he's going to do it in a nice way. And, uh, it's very sweet of him to do it. And he's talking about how, you know, uh, this hits close to home and there's some things in here that uh, are very, you know, I I really relate to, obviously. But then he said, if you had sent this script to me 10 years earlier, I couldn't have faced it. But he said, now, where I am in my life today, he said, I have to do it. Let's do it. And I couldn't believe it. Burt Reynolds just signed on. To the movie, right? Now, this was 10 years ago. This was 10 years ago. So I, I, you'd think after all the years that I've been 
in Hollywood, I'd be a little more cynical and a little less optimistic. <laughs> no, that's that's exciting. Though. There's no way around. Like you, you did the work and gave it to the guy who it means the most to, and he responded. He said, the "Yes, way you want." Yes, and I foolishly thought the mo- the money is just <laughs> we're going to have our our choice of where we're right. going to want to make this film. Was was the idea always that you would direct it? Yes. Okay. That was never a, an option. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, so I did. Bert have notes. Bert had one note. Really? And I will tell you what his note was, <laughs> and it is very funny and very in keeping with Bert Reynolds' persona. He said to me, listen, okay, so in the movie, there's a scene where he's at this little dinky film festival, and he's doing a Q&A. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, uh, his first night, he realized that it's such a, you know, a shit show of a, a thing he showed up to. He gets drunk, right? So he's doing the Q&A drunk. And so at a certain point, He's being very forthcoming in this Q in this Q and A, and somebody asks him, "Hey, did you ever have sex with Angie Dickinson?" And he says, "Yep." And then somebody else raises their hand and says, "Did you ever have uh, sex with Goldie Hawn?" "Yep." "Did you ever have sex with Farrah Fawcett?" "Yep." You know, and and basically the joke of the scene is, they just go on and on right. and on every name, and he just yep 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 he had sex with them all right. So Burt Reynolds said to me, "Listen, I am not a kiss and tell kind of guy." I don't want to embarrass anybody or embarrass anybody's family. So I would appreciate it if you could take out the names of the people who I've actually been with um, so not to, you know, upset anybody. I said, of course, absolutely. Let me get a pen and a paper. Hold on a second. I said, all right, I'm ready to take down the names of the, the, the characters. All right, tell me which ones I should take out. He paused. He said, all of them. <laughs> Great. I, I said, Bert, you're, you're my hero. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And I think the scene is better for it. I think so, too. Yeah, the scene is better for it. And he actually had a lot of other little suggestions all the way throughout the process. Always good ideas. You know, Bert is, as well, a very excellent film director. Mm-hmm. Directed The Sharky's Machine, The mm-hmm. End, Gator, great films. And so his instinct, and also, too, he's he was, you know, every line of dialogue in Smoking the Bandit was an ad lib. Every line. So, I mean, he knows right. what he's doing on a set. So he had a lot of ideas for lines throughout, a lot of ideas for, you know, different ways to shoot things. I mean, he, it was a real collaboration, and it was really exciting, yeah. But anyway, so once he signed on, I thought foolishly, okay, we're going to get this set up wherever we want. This is Burt Reynolds in the role of his career. It's going to, you know. Anyway, it took <clears throat> seven years, seven-plus years to get the That's money crazy. finally. It came together and fell through many times throughout those years. Finally, it came together, and we, we just made it. Can I ask generally, um, because you've worked for studios, you've worked independently, yeah. you've, you've done all of this stuff. You, maybe using this as an example, maybe not. Like, What is the reason these things fall apart? I don't know a lot about features. I'll tell you some of the reasons this one fell apart. Um, first of all, Almost, I guess almost all of the places that were interested initially said, does it have to be Burt Reynolds? Really? I swear to God. They'd say, how about Clint Eastwood? How about Robert Redford? How about, you know, and then they just list other actors right. in, the, in the age range. Right. You know? But who are still sort of active in movies. Yeah. And, and I said. Thinkable, theoretically. And that's why they want them, yeah. you know. And I said to them, no, the whole purpose of making this movie is to give this role to Burt Reynolds because of who he was, right. who he is now, and everything that happened to him in between, 
And that is what gives this movie its heart and its soul and its pathos. You're missing everything intrinsic to this But what they didn't movie. give a shit about was what gave the movie its heart, its soul, its pathos. <laughs> they just wanted to know what is the most valuable poster they could use as a sales tool at a foreign sales market. You know what I mean? So um, <clears throat> those fell through immediately. Um, and then uh, I had other people say, okay, well, you've got Burt Reynolds, you've got this story, but what if you just just a little tweak, just weave in that instead of being an out-of-work actor... He's an out of work hitman. He used to be the big. He used to be the <laughs> most prolific hitman Come in the on. business, and now he's. I, I swear to God, Ugh. I said. And then they, I said, why? So you could have Burt Reynolds on the poster with a gun? Exactly. No, I'm not interested. You know. Um, finally, we met the right team at the right time, and mm-hmm. it all worked out perfectly. Sure. But uh, and and I always have to keep reminding myself of that every project mm-hmm. is that when it. Come, when it finally will come together, it always seems to come together the right time for the mm-hmm. right reasons. So it worked out that way this time too. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and then in the execution of it, um, I, you know, like I usually ask, did you make the movie you set out to make? But it really feels like you did. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this though. Here's what changed slightly from the script to the screen. The original draft of the script had Vic's character be more of a bastard Hmm. throughout the first half of the movie. And even though Bert can, can be an asshole when he wants to be on screen, he's still so likable that it just lightens it. Yeah. It just lightens it. There's nothing he can say or do that doesn't do that. And that's partly because he's Bert Reynolds and he exudes still that likability that made him a movie star in the first place. So that was something that I really had no control over. I mean, I could have him say the worst things to somebody, but you still like him saying it, (laughs) you know? So that changed. Another thing that changed that had nothing to do with Bert, but I think it helped everything to do with Bert in this movie. The original draft was, it starts in LA, but instead of going to the film festival in Nashville and then driving to Knoxville, original draft was he goes to a film festival in Philadelphia and he drives to New York, which is where he's from. Hmm. And it was an East Coast set movie. That's a really different movie. Very different movie. Interesting. And what happened was the money for the movie came from Tennessee, mm-hmm. but that was not a prerequisite for why we were to shoot it in Tennessee. The, 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 the producers and the financiers said, look, while you're scouting cities, because we scouted uh, Minneapolis and we scouted uh, Atlanta and we scouted New Orleans, all these cities that have great tax credits mm-hmm. that also could play East Coast cities. Right. You know, we could, with a little movie magic, we yeah. could make all of them look like New York and Philadelphia. And I have experience doing that. I mean, Detroit Rock City, which is a movie that I made, one day we shot in Detroit. Everything else was shot in Toronto. You know, that's how sure. it's done. So, um, so they said, just come scout Knoxville and Nashville. I bet you we got enough buildings and enough bus stops and enough taxi cabs to make it look like it could be Nashville mm-hmm. and Knoxville and with a little movie magic sprinkled in. So, great, let's go scout it. So we went and we scouted it, and I was looking around, and there's no way it could be, <laughs> we could play New York and right. Philadelphia in Na- Na- Knoxville and Nashville. And they were going to be fine with that. But I said, you know what? I've never really seen Nashville and Knoxville taken advantage of in a movie before. Mm-hmm. I felt, it felt fresh to me. Yeah. Um, and Bert is a Southern boy. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that about Bert. So I said, what, what if we, instead of he goes to a film festival in Philly and drives to New York, what if he goes to a film festival in Nashville and drives to Knoxville mm-hmm. and just embrace 
the South yeah. and embrace Bert's Southern roots. Well, and there is something to the sort of framing story, too, of like, there's a feel to having been to some of these Texas film and TV yeah. festivals. Yeah. Like, there's a feel to those exactly. festivals that's very different from yeah. New York or Philadelphia. Yeah, it's true. And, and you so, feel that in the movie. Absolutely. And, and so once we made that decision to embrace that, mm-hmm. everything changed. Sure. First of all, it just changes the character of Vic Edwards without changing one word of dialogue. Yeah. It just absolutely makes him a little bit more Burt Reynolds, which I thought was good. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then also, too, it changed the flavor of the whole movie because the music, hmm. we, we, sure. we, we totally embrace yeah, a, yeah. a country. You don't go na- to Nashville, Nashville and not put yeah. Nashville in there. All, all those songs throughout the whole movie are from a Nashville band, called, a, a genuine, legitimate Nashville mm-hmm. band called Stranger Friends. You know what I mean? All original songs. And it really had that, that Nashville feel. Mm-hmm. And the score embraced the Nashville's country yeah. kind of thing. And, and the ending song, uh, the end credits song was written by Dan, Diane Warren, but she got... Uh, Willie Nelson to sing the song, oh, which sure. completely embraced the Southern vibe. Yeah. And so that all of that combined changed everything about the movie without really changing much, except, you know, when you're on your, in your script program, you just... You <laughs> find just, a replace. Yeah, find a replace. <laughs> New York, Knoxville. Right. Philadelphia, it, Nashville. Yeah, but yeah. it really does change the feel of it. Absolutely. And it makes it feel so lived in and so real. Uh, has this... And we'll just start to wrap up here. Yeah. But... Has this changed the way that you are approaching scripts or making movies? Well, yes, it has, and I'll tell you why. Now I feel very emboldened to want to write movies for specific people. I find that to be an exciting challenge. Yeah. Um, People who I admire, people who I think are good, people who I think could play a role opposite a type they're known for that yeah. they don't have that opportunity to play which we love to see every, every time it happens people love it everybody loves it yeah. but nobody gives them that opportunity so yeah. now i'm starting to think all right who do i love that's out there yeah. who's dying for a role that's completely different from what right. they usually get who's never played a romantic lead exactly who's never played a villain who yeah. yeah who's an action star who would love to play an actor's role yeah. you know what i mean who's uh who's a, yeah absolutely so so i'm having fun Figuring those things out, I'm, I'm thinking of doing more, a lot more of that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, well, the movie is real good. People should check it out. Thank you so uh, much. Last Movie Star. It's available everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, what are you watching these days? Have you seen movies that you love that you uh, want to recommend to people? I try and see as many movies as I can. Um, most recently, I've been super busy with this promotion of this movie, so I haven't seen as many as I would like. Um, but I really... In terms of this year, mm-hmm. you know, and and I'm not just saying this because my movie is being released by A24. <laughs> sure. But there's a few movies that A24 put out this year that they I think are year. great. Yeah. I love The Florida Project. Mm-hmm. You know, I love The Disaster Artist. I love Lady Bird. I thought those movies were great. Yeah. I do, I mean, I, you know, I love Get Out, which mm-hmm. is not an A24 movie, but I think that's a great movie. Um, I, am ex- I, I keep meaning to see Annihilation. I haven't seen it. How is it? I haven't seen it. I hear it's good. I hear you it's really it. good. Oh, you haven't seen it. Nobody here has seen it. No. I'm dying to see it. I hear it's really we good. We all work for a living. I know. It's true. It's hard to get out. What, We're all what, promoting this What movie. movies have you seen? Thank you. What movies have you seen lately that are good? Uh, Lady Bird was the last one that I really okay. that yeah. really knocked me on my ass. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Really that. good. Um, let me ask you this also yeah. before we wrap up. For someone who does not know the Burt Reynolds oeuvre very well, uh, what are the starting points, would you say? Where would you... Where would you direct people? Funny you should ask. To check out a few Burt Reynolds. Movies? Here's what's funny about that question. I was asked that very question by Entertainment Weekly, 
Sure. And and, and <laughs> did they you pick five. You did I, a little I did the five, my <laughs> nice. five favorite Burt Reynolds movies, and <laughs> I'll right? tell you what I picked. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Please. Okay. Don't buy the magazine. You're getting it here for free. That's right. So in reverse order. Yeah. Okay. Smokey and the Bandit. Okay. Okay. Smokey and the Bandit to me is the perfect version of Burt Reynolds as movie star. Yeah. He that he. Has the swagger, right. almost a cartoon. Yes, the cockiness and the swagger of uh, of Burt Reynolds uh, in in the most macho, fun, you know, fast cars, pretty girls kind of movie way you could imagine. That's the movie that really solidified the Burt Reynolds image that we think of today. So that's number five, and it's a very watchable, very fun movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, prior to, uh, then number four, The End. I don't know, which that at is all. a movie that Burt directed. And it's a comedy. Burt Reynolds plays a character who is uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness. Hilarious. And he's going to die slowly and painfully. So he, he doesn't want to. So he's uh, determined to commit suicide. And everything goes wrong along the way as he tries to kill himself. Jesus. And Dom DeLuise is in the movie. And it's a great cast. Myrna Loy is in the movie. What? I mean, it's a really great cast. It's funny. It's touching. I highly recommend it. Okay. Right? Uh, number... Uh, that was number five, number, number four. Number three, Hustle. Okay. Which is great neo-noir, yeah. um, uh, directed by Robert Aldrich, Burt Reynolds, oh, Catherine Deneuve, really great crime movie, and the relationship between the two of them is smoldering and exciting, and they in real life dated while they were making that movie, and I, it just makes me all the more my hero, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> uh, number two, The Longest Yard. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds plays a uh, disgraced football star who's thrown in prison and then the evil warden makes him uh, create a football team of inmates so that the football team can play the football team of guards. Mm -hmm. So it's the guards against the inmates and we're rooting for all the criminals led by Burt Reynolds. Fantastic movie. And that's sort of the bridge movie between Burt Reynolds, the actor, and Burt Mm -hmm. Reynolds, the movie star. Because that movie has both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, that is a really great performance. I remember that even having seen it 20 years ago. My, and my favorite movie of Burt's, um, without question, is Deliverance. Mm-hmm. I just think Deliverance is one of not only one of the great Burt Reynolds movies of all it's time. It's a great movie. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. I and think people don't realize that when they think about that movie. Yeah, it's that, true. Like, the the book was this sort of poetic thriller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the movie really hits those same notes. Without a doubt. And uh, it's... I was going to say it's just as shocking today as when it came out, but I would say it's more shocking today. Interesting. I haven't seen it in a long time. It really holds up, and it is shocking, that movie. If you haven't seen Deliverance, see that movie first. That's, that's the movie that made Burt Reynolds yeah. a superstar. Brilliant performance by him, by John Voight, by everyone, directed by John Borman. Yeah. That's Phenomenal a movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was great. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 